Steve Vines, welcome back. Good morning. Good to see or, you. Or words to that effect. You had a week off last week. It's good to see you back, though. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's the walking dead. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> or not. No. no. Sorry about that. Well, so, the, I, I apologise to the listener. The clock keeps ticking, Steve. What it you got? does. Well, um, I, I, I think having had a week off, something weird happened because <gasps> I found in the course of the week that I actually agreed with something Carrie Lamb said. Well done. And I tell you, that does not happen every day. And this is her being interviewed in the Financial Times. It was a funny old interview because it was about her home and it turned out to be about Government House. And uh, I've never seen such an impersonal, personal interview in my life. But anyway, in the middle of it, she's asked, "Uh, which political leader do you most admire? And she said, maybe it's shoeshining. And I'm thinking, I agree with you there, Carrie, because what she then went on to say is, "Uh, President Xi is more and more charismatic and admirable in the things he's doing and saying. Yes, Carrie, that, that, that is true shining. I, I, I completely agree with you. But why do they do it? I mean, what is it? What insecurity besets these dictators um, that they have to... Hello. Well, I, it's that, that's what we call a rhetorical question okay. in the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that, that they, they feel they have to, you know be so enormously flattered. I mean, you remember a few weeks ago you had Rita Fan going, you know, there's nobody in the whole country who, who's more capable than he is of doing this job. And, you know, on, it, on and on it goes. And you're just thinking, oh, that's right. Every dictator in history has been surrounded by a wall yes. of, of this kind of <laughs> sycophantic flattery. Of course, until it's over. You know, the famous stories about uh, when Joe Stalin died, the first thing all the people around him did was literally urinated on his body. Um, So, you know, all the things they'd said about Comrade Joe before he died perhaps were not sincere. I'm I'm making a wild guess here. So, but why do they do it? Why do they do it in Hong Kong? I think the answer is because... In fact, and, and, and now I'm, I'm also going to agree with Carrie another thing, I think it's in part due to the colonial training that all these people had because one of the things that happened during the colonial era, particularly during its, um, its darkest periods, was that all these civil servants and all the people well, between in Between 1841 yeah, and 1937. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1841, they didn't have any Chinese civil servants. <laughs> to be fair, it was all Brits. That's and a pretty dark jolly. period, though, wasn't it? It was a pretty dark period. But, um, but you know, once they started to, to decide that they had to bring into the administration what... Um, I always remember David Wilson used to refer to as the Chinese. Um, when the Chinese came into the administration, they, 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 they learnt the art of flattery. And these British officials were so up themselves. They loved that it. They loved they it. Loved they, it they, 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 you know, oh, oh, Governor, I've never seen anybody with, you know, with, with more eloquent um, turn of phrase. And, I mean, the level of abasement that came with colonialism, to the extent that... that, that people of Hong Kong were actually supposed to believe that only foreigners could rule them. You know, they couldn't possibly rule themselves. You know, all this kind of nonsense was rife. So, I mean, the mindset of the people in the bureaucracy and the the people in the Hong Kong elite has been one of fawning and sycophancy. Yeah. I'm being nice. I'm not saying what what I really think here. But (laughs) fawning and sycophancy was the hallmark. I mean... And it was interesting. I was reading a book 
incidentally, it's a very good book. Oh, yeah. About the um, McLennan case by Nigel Collett, which, um, if you haven't read it, it's called A, a Death in Hong Kong. It's an absolute page-turner. And at the end of the book, when the government's attempts to cover up the scandal were, 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 were getting worse and worse, it's very interesting. The then um, uh, chairman of the executive council... Um, whose name I've just embarrassingly forgotten, um, apparently says to the governor, that was Murray McLehose at the time, mm. he says, oh, governor, don't worry. Um, this is something which is of no concern to the Chinese population. It's only an expatriate thing. <laughs> so McLehose promptly writes off a memo, and Collett has got records of this from the records office, um, writes off a memo to London saying, well, I understand that, that uh, from, from you know, Sir blah, 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 who's chairman, that, 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 you know, we shouldn't really get overexcited about this, only of concern to the expatriates. The Chinese don't worry about this. <laughs> and so, but, but of course, what was going on there is exactly 100% what's going on in Hong Kong, is that the, the people who get to talk to those in authority in Beijing are all of one voice, and their voice is that of an echo chamber. You know, they go, what do the bosses want to hear? Right, we'll tell them that's what people in Hong Kong think. Do the bosses want to hear that everybody's happy? Oh, yes, comrades, everybody is happy. And then you get them going the extra mile. You see Tam Yu Chung, for example, who is the only Hong Kong member of the National People's Congress Standing Committee. I'll say that quickly in case well anybody is uh, is hoping to join it. Um, he, he went if you remember last week, said, oh, yes, well, you know, I'm very pleased we're having this national anthem thing, but we could go further. Why don't we ban people from coming into LegCo who've criticised one-party rule in China? And they're always trying to edge it along the further mile so that the bosses in Beijing, if it flies, they can say, you know, well, we're, we're, we're responding to local pressure for, for banning people who 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 criticise one party? If it doesn't fly, they can say, "Well, you know, uh, we're, we're we're quite liberal, really. We we've decided that this bonkers scheme, my words, not theirs, isn't going to fly." But then the person who's made the bonkers suggestion is patted on the head and says, "Well done. We know you're with us. Mm. You're a hundred and one percenter. We like that sort of thing. Carry on, Tam Tammy. You're a you're you're." you're <laughs> Well, he's a charismatic figure, as you know. He once was known to break into a smile, but nobody's actually got a picture of that. I'm chucking a couple of lines here from Steve, who writes to us. He says, Carrie Lam's shoeshine is hardly surprising, though I thought the appointment of the new British and Canadian judges to the High Court was. Surely that would be deemed as foreign intervention. How could she ban him? He's being cheeky. That's a good point, though. People called Steve shouldn't be allowed on this programme. That's, that's my, that's my response to that. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, you've managed to go for ten minutes on this particular topic without saying the word eunuch. I know. I'm quite proud of that. <laughs> I mean, there's a historical reference there. There is, there is. For there, sure. There is, there is. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I'm trying to think, is this a peculiarly Hong Kong and China thing, or is this the way that... Ha things happen in all dictatorships and i think it's a mixture of both there is a distinct hong kong flavor to it don't doubt that but i mean this is dictators seem to understand that in their pomp and their triumph they're, in, they're terribly insecure they sleep with one eye open i bet i bet exactly that is the point is it not is that you know outwardly it's all powerful nobody can challenge xi jinping on the other 
side of the I was going to say side of the bed. Can I say side of the bed? I'll say side of the bed. Um, you know, there's a few restless nights, I reckon. Was it going worth on. it? Was it, you know... Um, I wish I'd do, taken that job at McDonald's. Do, do these pe- parentless people really love me, like, in the way that they say they do? Well, then you say it's better to be feared than loved. And somebody famous said that. Somebody did. Um, uh, um, Sounds um, like a Stalin or something. <laughs> somebody... Like Sparrow. Somebody Chicken. really charming like that, yes. But... It's it's better to be feared than loved until the masses decide otherwise. Yeah, and and then we'll discover that all the Rita fans and all the other clawing sycophants will go, oh, well, of course, you know, in private, I was always very critical. Yeah, like Behera. (laughs) Well, he did. (laughs) Who was the uh, Stalin's chief of police. A small man, not much loved. Oh, he's dead. Is he dead? (laughs) He's dead. Is he dead? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, let's see what else has been going on, Steve. Well, what else has been going on? And, and this is a sort of um, this is this is actually connected. So I suppose it's a one of them things. It's a U-turn. Go on. So we've had the budget, and in the budget there were no so-called giveaways. I've always understood that a giveaway is when you give your money to somebody else, not when you give other people's money back to them. But anyway, they're called giveaways. And and both Carrie Lam and um, the very personable financial secretary um, Paul Chan um, firmly declared, you know, in this budget. There will be no giveaways. That wasn't quite true because, in fact, they made massive, and they really are quite substantial, tax deductions to, to people which are worth literally. I'm not going to one, though, am I? No, you're, you're too rich, mate. <laughs> you're too rich. <laughs> but, 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 no, no, everybody will get one, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, because no, they're, they're, there's got to be a caveat no, no, they're, or a they're, they're lowering, or whatever. They're, they're, they're raising the threshold at which you start paying taxes. So, yeah, right. so there's tens of thousands of money in fact being given away because you know it, it, it one way or the other that's how it works and it's been pointed out that those who are too poor to be paying any of these taxes or are really struggling on very low incomes indeed getting no form of state subsidy have had a pretty rotten deal so the interesting thing about this is that the politicians and i use that word with inverted commas i don't quite know mm. how you do that on radio but anyway i'm give it a whirl um the politicians have decided that this is a cheap and easy way of carrying favor with the public because they haven't got much more in the cupboard so including the pro pro beijing politicians in fact mainly the pro beijing politicians have decided oh this would be a good opportunity to show how much we care about the people we're going to urge them to to put giveaways back into the budget and guess what that's what we're going to hear. In fact, I believe we're going to hear that today. Bread and services. Bread and services. Apparently there's 2,000 bucks heading your way if you're a low, low, low-paid person. I don't, I don't, I've never met any of these low-paid people. All right, do, Steve. Do you know who they are? Yeah. Um, what about this notion of give a man a bowl of rice and he can eat now, give him a bit of rice and he can grow it and be full later, all that stuff? All of that stuff. Well, Whatever it is. <laughs> the reason I'm personally against giveaways is because I think there is fundamental problems of equality, inequality. Mm. There are fundamental problems of poverty when one in five of the population is living below the poverty line. And giveaways give you a little bandage over that crack and they do nothing to solve the long-term massive gap. So we're all supposed to... So we're supposed to think, oh, you bung out 2,000 bucks here. You know, Macau does it even more, more, more frequently. And somehow that solves the problem. It solves absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't knock it in the sense that you 
give somebody 2,000 bucks, particularly if they're very poor, it almost always immediately goes into consumption because, you know, they don't have any fat to live off. So that kind of makes sense to me. But what is being done about pensions? <laughs> Spend it on gin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, a small sherry would be fine. <laughs> but, you know, what is being done about a proper universal pension system? What is being done about this, this cockamamie medical insurance system that we keep hearing is, is or isn't coming? I mean, the latest we've heard about that is, oh, it will come, but it won't cover people with pre-existing conditions. Well, sorry, that was the whole point of the scheme to begin with. So if it's not going to do that, yeah. yet again, you're, 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 you're creating schemes that aren't going to work. You're busy papering over the cracks with a few, you know, a couple of thousand dollars here, a couple of thousand dollars here. And the, the fundamental Isn't problem and the ageing of the Hong Kong population. I mean, these things are not... You didn't hear it here first. You heard it everywhere else first. See, it's this notion of, um, I've got loads of money. Great. Well, why don't you spend some of it on this, this and this? Help yourself. No, 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 I don't want to. Because whenever anybody asks me, I want them to look at my bank account and say, I've got loads of yeah, money. Yeah, I've got loads of money and I've just built a bridge. <laughs> That's right. They like, that. I've just built a bridge. Yeah, the, the, great, the, great, the, the great obsession that these ghastly bureaucrats have with their heritage projects. How are you doing? What do we got? Well, I come up for uh, quite a lot, yep. actually. My time of life, it's the least you can do. <laughs> but never talking, trust air. <laughs> never trust air, yes. Don't, don't go to Beijing if you're looking for good air, that's all I'm saying. But no, no, we're talking about my time of life. Of course, for people who are sprightly 89-year-olds, like Li Ka-shing, yeah. um, who has allegedly retired, I love this, you know, great fuss, uh, 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 Li Ka-shing retires, and in an in a absolute surprise development, his eldest son takes over. Well, there's two things about this. One is, of course, Li Ka-shing hasn't retired. I mean, let's, let's, you know, clear the wheat from the chaff or whatever it's called. There must be a cliche for this. Mm. Um, He's he's going to be the senior advisor of the Chiang Kong group. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is that if any major decision is to be made within the company, who do you think is going to be taking it? Is it going to be Victor, his son, or is it going to be the old man? I put um, three shillings and sixpence on it being the old man. And the point is that it is his company. This is the whole point. You know, it's a public company. It's a vast public company. Yeah. And it has interest not only in Hong Kong, but in, in, in many parts of the world. In fact, increasingly in parts of the world. In fact, been the buy- world. Yes. <laughs> he's been buying up, um, particularly in Britain, in- interestingly, a lot of utility companies. But anyway, the fact of the matter is that these old guys, they don't retire. And because of the way these family dynastic companies are structured they only have one choice for the successor which is the oldest son Mm. i mean in extreme cases and we are talking extreme cases they may go for the son-in-law if there isn't a suitable son available Uh, well or 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 or, or this happened with the wharf company but you know but that's because i hate to use such a, a a daring word on 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 this show that's because this isn't really something that women can do, you know, run companies. Well, not the dynastic companies, anyway. Very, very, very seldom are daughters considered as being suitable candidates uh, to run these companies. The fact that most of the... Well, not most of them. The fact that a great many of these... Um, uh, com- you know, we are actually... Aren't we in 2018 or something like that? A great many public companies are very successfully run by women, but ho-hum. In the dynastic world, that doesn't 
rate as a as a viable consideration. I mean, mm. to be fair to Mr. Lee, as far as we know, he's only got sons, so there wasn't a daughter in the yeah, frame. Fair but, play. <laughs> but, so you know that may be a reason why there is no daughter running. But you know, the problem with all of this is, and we don't really know how this is going to pan out because in Asia, most of these big dynastic companies like Chen Kong are only now moving from the first to the second generation. Now, when that happened in America, um, more or less exactly the same thing occurred. You know, the big dynastic companies taken over by the sons, and it was as early as the second generation that things started falling apart, Mm. mainly because the sons weren't up to it. And the whole business was so centred around one central charismatic personality that when the charismatic personality had been removed, and because there wasn't any real professional underlying structure that could take over, you know, it's not that dramatic in most established companies when the the chairman or the chief executive leaves. You know, they've they've got somebody who's been trained up. They can go out into the field and buy the best person, you know, from a rival company or whatever. But that option doesn't exist for these dynastic companies. They are stuck with the sun of whatever capability. I mean, even if, and it's quite a big even if, Victor Lee was the most charismatic person in the room. Interesting thought. Um, Nobody would believe it. because they go well you were always going to be taking over from the old man there's no question about it but the problem of course is that he isn't he's in a sort of hinterland where he is the titular head of the company he's chairman of Kong asset holdings he's chairman of um hutch etc but he's not really you know He's surrounded by all of the the old guys who are Lee's trustees. And and one of the things that Lee Cushing has been very good at is cultivating a a, a sort of consulary group who, sorry to use that word, but, um, you know, who've been with him for a very long time. So he's got his people sitting literally in the room with Victor. He's himself will be brought in when anything big is happening. So, you know, the new chairman isn't really going to be the chairman until... You know, nature. Not that na- gig, though, na- Steve. Nature. To be perfectly honest, is it? Well, it's above the minimum wage. I understand. <laughs> I understand. There are some. Perks. Oh, will he still get two grand? Mm. Seriously, I don't think so. Mm. About, sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings. Don't think he's quite on the pay grade that, that's going to qualify yeah. for that particular handout. So, sorry, Victor. You know, I'll 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 give it to you personally. What about that stuff over the past few years of him losing confidence in Hong Kong? Well, I mean, it is very interesting. I mean, he talks the talk, as you have to if you're uh, the leader of one of the big companies, sure. of his enormous, enormous confidence in, in, in the People's Republic, in Xi Jinping and in all his works. And follow the money. The money is not flowing into China. It's flowing into Europe and the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, I don't think it's so much the United States, but it seems to be mainly flowing into Europe. Mm-hmm. So I always say... When you look at what a company says and what a company does, it's really simple. In fact, it's more simple than most things. Follow the money. Yeah, dead simple. Uncle, yeah. Uncle Steve has the final <laughs> word on that one. Yeah. All right, then, I reckon one more. What's been going well, on here? Well, I, 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 the, I mean, there's two. Well, could we do one on, very quickly? Go we'll on, do then. one very quickly, which is um, talking of tycoons. I love the fact that Charles Ho, who, who mainly runs a tobacco 
business, but on on the sidelines runs. And newspaper. we're not talking like a corner shop here, no, by the way, we're are not. we? <laughs> it is, it's not, no, it's not a little backy shop. No. It's, uh, but but he, he he also runs, you know, the some newspaper called the Standard, whatever that is, and Singtel. Anyway, his he. I mean, this is only the sort of thing that a tycoon could suggest. He comes up with this brilliant idea that because there's a housing shortage and there's some sort of shortage of land, one way of solving it would be to move all the prisons that are in Hong Kong over to the mainland. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you just think for three nanoseconds of the problems about that jurisdiction uh, jurisdiction, uh, uh, jurisdiction 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 but even even the personal problems what he doesn't seem to realize is that prisoners have families they have dependents they have friends and you know they would possibly want to visit them that's sort of how the system works but you know if you're a tycoon just focused on oh how do we get more land i want to make more property because of course he's also a property developer how did i forget to mention that you know they come up with the idea these ideas and they're sort of treated with a seriousness Mm. that you wouldn't normally treat a child's tantrum with Mm. but there you go because you know it's always charles oh you know he's a member of the ccppccccwxyz oh he must have he must have good reason for suggesting moving all the prisons over to the mainland you know thinking this is the quality of the advice they're getting. They're how, bonkers. How to, how to get sort of two-way visas and stuff. <laughs> do, do something wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole, yeah. I mean, you know, of course it's bonkers, but ho-hum. Yeah, well, listen, you're talking about families and friends and stuff. I mean, they, they, they don't have a lot of previous in China for giving too much of a hoot about that, do they? I was going to say, honest. there is that. And uh, I'm told that Chinese prisons aren't exactly rest camps, but uh, that may be a rumour. Um, but uh, and anyway, we'll just squeeze in one more thing. I, I'm I'm delighted to see that 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 Cathay and Dragonair or Dragon Cathay or whatever it's called this this particular week is also um, determined to to live in a past century because mm. they've got this controversy going on about whether female stewardesses could wear more practical clothing for yep. their job, i.e. not short skirts, so that a whole lot of pervs can look up their legs <laughs> when they're bending over. And they're going, oh, no, 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 pervs. Is, you know, we, have, uh, uh, we have a long tradition of pervs looking up uh, the dresses of our uh, stewardesses and they're flighty gals there. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Allied boys, just calm down. Try and think of what century we're in. Of well, course. You go on most airlines in most parts of the world and there are indeed women wearing dresses and skirts and there are a lot of them wearing trousers because if you think about it, that's the most practical form of dress for someone who's bustling up and down a crowded aisle. Um, Lots of makeup, no moustaches anymore. What's going on? What's going on? It's not Portugal. I know. (laughs) But somebody sent me uh, a little message the other day when that topic came up. Yes. And it sounds really horrible, but, um, well, there was an obvious comparison with um, American airlines. And if anybody's ever travelled on, you know, a lot of American flights, you, boy, oh, boy, hello. <laughs> OK, they're ghastly. I mean, United... Sit down. What do you want? Blah, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, United, as you know, is, is, is the airline of choice. They just managed to kill a dog the other day. Did you see that? Yes. Put a dog in their luggage holder. I mean, God. All right, I'm not choosing American Airlines as the model here. You just open up the internet and read to your heart's content. Yeah, you know what I'm know. saying? But, I mean, Cathay, come on, boys. You know, get into this century. It's a nice place.